What's your gut tell you? Feel it in your bones? What's bugging you? Let's hear it. This is Vikings Deadline. Good morning. This is Vikings Ventline pregame edition. This is a new, uh, new addition to the fifteen hundred ESPN uh, Sundays. As uh, we're going to take you all the way up to Vikings kickoff at uh, twelve o'clock, as the San Francisco 49ers are in town at US Bank Stadium to take on your Minnesota Vikings. I'm Manny Hill. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, we're going to have some fun this hour. We're going to preview this big matchup as the season gets underway for the Vikings in 2018. We're going to take your phone calls. If you uh, want to chime in on the conversation, give us a call, 651-646-8255. Matthew Collar, uh, who covers the Vikings for us at 1500ESPN.com, he's going to join us in the next segment at about 1115. And uh, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus will join us at about 1130 to uh, chat about this big matchup with the 49ers to start the season. Jonathan is uh controlling things and welcome back um, to Sunday morning, sir. I know it's it's um <laughs> I took over for you when you left and now you're here as the host. I know. Corzo was sitting in this chair uh for for a long time. Yes, he was. Um doing Sunday sports talk and and uh, of course now he's moving to Saturdays. Yep. So um that's gonna be very fun, very interesting. And um so are you gonna are you gonna be with him on Saturdays now nope. or I'll be over here still. You'll be over here still? Yep. Okay. Cool. Um <laughs> Nonetheless, Vikings and 49ers. Do you remember the last time the Vikings played the 49ers to start the oh, season? Oh, boy, do I ever. That was quite the opening Monday night, if I believe Yes, correctly. it was. It was, the second, it was the second game of a doubleheader on Monday night, because yep. they always do those doubleheaders mm-hmm. uh, to start the season. And it was at Levi Stadium. Yeah, super late. And Nine o'clock was, start, I think, something like that. Yeah, and oh. uh, <laughs> boy, that was... Well, things were completely different back then because Jim Tom Sula was the 49ers head coach. (laughs) That didn't go so well. Remember him? I do remember him very briefly uh, because when they fired Jim Harbaugh or when they when the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh mutually mutually agreed to part ways. Yeah. Air quotes. Yep. um, He was like the defensive line coach or something. He got promoted to head coach. Nonetheless, they went like four and 12 or whatever. It was terrible. But. (laughs) That day or that night, uh-huh. the 49ers kicked the crap out of the Vikings yes, to start did. the season. And everybody here was like, oh my God, Lost this is awful. And the 49ers looked terrific. And there yep. was this thought that, oh, well, the Niners might be okay and everything. And they were terrible the rest of the year. <laughs> and the Vikings went on to go 11 and 5, won the division, mm-hmm. played Seattle in the, in the wild card round. Yeah, that went well. We know how that one finished, didn't <sighs> we? We're still having kicking issues since. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, the Niners are back in. Things are a lot different now. What a difference three years can make. Uh, different head coaches. Uh, well, different head coach for the 49ers. Mike Zimmer still, of course, yep. coaching the Vikings. But Jimmy Garoppolo, um, this guy was pretty good mm-hmm. down the stretch for the 49ers. And, I, and I'm very interested to see how the Vikings defense is going to handle um, going up against them. And we know how strong this Vikings defense is. Uh, they got a great pass rush at every level. There's there's a strength there, and we know that Kyle Shanahan has a history of being very good as an offensive yeah. coordinator. Did it for Matt Ryan. Did it for Matt Ryan. Turned Matt Ryan into the league MVP. Yep. Falcons went to the Super Bowl. And you've seen what Matt Ryan's been since since he left. He yeah. hasn't been the same MVP form. He's still not 
He's still not bad. He's still pretty good, but he's not MVP form. Right. And and you saw, I mean, the 49ers got off to such that 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 bad start last year. Mm-hmm. And uh and then well, they it's because you were starting an Iowa quarterback. Yeah, was it CJ Beathard or yeah. whatever his name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really went well for them, didn't it? Um and uh and so they, they made the trade for Garoppolo, and that was not without controversy in, in New England. And Jimmy came in and he did a he did a great job yeah. and and they were undefeated down the stretch. And finish the season strong. And Jimmy so got a big old contract out of it. He got paid big time. So <laughs> this is, I look at this matchup with the 49ers for the Vikings. This is not going to be, even though the 49ers the last few years have not been overall a, a good team. I, no. I don't think that this is a, this is a game that if you're the Vikings that you have to overlook because this is an offense that, that has talent and has a pretty good young quarterback mm-hmm. and uh, a head coach who has been uh, a terrific offensive coordinator in his previous stops. And um, this is going to be a, this is going to be a challenge, I think, for the Vikings defense. But I, I think this defense, we know how good they are. And I think we know that they are up for the challenge and uh, it'll be interesting. But I, I, I will say this. All eyes obviously are going to be on Kirk Cousins for this game, right? Yeah, it's his first game. He got, got that contract. Huge, he got the huge contract, eighty-four million dollars for three years, fully, fully guaranteed. guaranteed. Yep. Um, and I look at Kirk Cousins as I, I he's an upgrade over Case Keenum, and mm-hmm. Case was great last year, but you just wonder if that was going to continue, if he was going right. to be able to maintain that. So I think they upgraded, but I, I'm just interested. To watch how Kirk Cousins handles everything this season, because there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs. There's yeah. going to be some moments where you wonder about him, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see how he. I want to see how, how he, he handles, handles when it goes sideways a little bit. Yeah, whether he does the thing he did in Washington, where he doesn't take the blame, he puts it on someone else. Mm-hmm. I want to see how that plays out because we saw when Mike Zimmer, what was it, two seasons ago in the Philadelphia game. When the offensive line or just something happened and it didn't look good and they got they got beat and Zimmer blamed the offensive line or called defensive him soft. Line. Yeah, called him soft. And you saw the rest of the season that team just didn't care. They didn't want to. They didn't want to play. And so I want to see how if something goes sideways. I mean, I don't want it to go sideways as a Vikings fan, but if something does go sideways and it most likely will because it is the NFL and it is well the Vikings. How Kirk Cousin handles that and how it affects the rest of the locker room. And you look at. Look, if think of your Kirk Cousins now. Yeah. And you can if if you want to weigh in, uh, give us a call 651-646-8255. Weigh in this conversation. Matthew Collar going to join us in the next segment. Um uh, if you're Kirk Cousins and you leave Washington, you go through the last couple of years of just being franchise tagged yep. every year. They don't really show any interest in wanting to give you a long-term deal. I think they had offered him one, yeah. but then he turned it down a couple of years ago. Um but if you're Kirk Cousins and you leave Washington, you come you come here, and then you get all the stuff that's being said about you in Washington <laughs> yeah. about how Alex Smith comes in. First of all, you leave and your re- your replacement is four years older than you. Yeah, and he gets the contract that and you he, wanted. And he gets the contract that you wanted. <laughs> um, and then you get all the understand. things where where guys were saying things about well, yeah. you know, they they were. They were trying to prop up Alex Smith, but they would say things like, oh, you know, he's the leader that we never had and right. all this other stuff. And it just seems like they're throwing shade a little bit yeah. at Kirk Cousins. So if you're Kirk Cousins and you've got that going on, you're with this new team that's loaded with talent. 
How do you handle if something goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I would hope that he starts taking a little bit of blame if something is if he causes something. If he throws a crucial interception, which happens in Minnesota and with quarterbacks in general, <laughs> um, I would hope that he'd take the blame instead of blaming someone else. But we'll see. I mean, in the past, he hasn't really taken the blame, and that's kind of been a criticism criticism of him. And he has a head coach that we know. <laughs> does not uh has kind of a short leash for things. He has a short leash for things. He doesn't really have a whole lot of a filter. He's going to speak yeah. you know, he's going to speak <laughs> his mind and say exactly what he thinks about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um and so I I'm I'm very curious to see what happens when Kirk has a bad game cuz he'll have a bad game yeah. at some point this season. Yeah. Every 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 player in the NFL, especially a quarterback, will have one bad game at least over the course of a 16 game season. But if he has that bad game and Mike Zimmer has some choice words about the performance, <laughs> I'd, I would be curious to see how Kirk Cousins reacts to that and how he handles it going forward after that. So that, that will be um, interesting to see. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Manny Hill with you for Vikings uh, vent line pregame. Taking you up to the kickoff at noon with the San Francisco 49ers and your Minnesota Vikings. Coming up next, we're going to chat with Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. He is at U.S. Bank Stadium right now. We're going to check in with uh, Matthew and get his thoughts uh, on, and his analysis on this matchup right after this. Vikings Vent Line, a pregame edition rolls on, a new edition to 1500ESPN. Joining us now from... U.S. Bank Stadium, and if you want to call in, and that was perfect timing for that, uh, that for horn. the horn to go off right in the background. Matthew <laughs> Collar's on the line. Uh, if you want to join in on the conversation, you got a question for Matthew on the game with the 49ers, uh, give us a call, 651-646-8255. Matthew Collar at U.S. Bank Stadium. How is the atmosphere so far, sir? Well, I set up that gal horn just for you, Manny. I, I thought you'd appreciate it. So, I, you know, I worked with the powers that be to make sure that we played it uh, just, just when I went on. Um, you know, as of right now, it's, you know, people starting to just, uh, you know, stream into uh, U.S. Bank Stadium here outside. I got here pretty early, but there were a lot of people here already, uh, you know, right around eight thirty, nine o'clock. So, you know, I, I think more than anything, uh, what this place does when it gets packed, and it will be today, is uh, it makes it life very, very difficult on opposing quarterbacks. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I know he's 7-0 in his career, 5-0 and to finish last year, but I think he's facing something a little bit different in U.S. Bank Stadium and the number one defense. What can the Vikings defense do to really make things difficult for them? I mean, we know how good the Vikings defense is, but... What sort of things can they do specifically to make it a tough afternoon for him? Yeah, you know, I think that the number one thing is to force Jimmy Garoppolo to communicate with his offensive line. Because when this place gets super loud, it's almost impossible for even the tackles to hear the quarterback screaming out different protection changes and things like that. So what we've seen in the past that Mike Zimmer loves to do is move around the safeties, move around the linebackers, at the last minute so the quarterbacks have to make changes and then if anybody has the slightest thing wrong uh, you're going to end up with some sort of miscommunication and and a sack and last year they were one of the best in the nfl when it came to sacks uh, at home as a defense for the vikings so i I think that you know forcing them to to communicate is number one being able to put pressure on jimmy garoppolo and you know today it'll be a real chess match because mike zimmer is going up against the guy in kyle shanahan 
who is widely considered the, an elite offensive mind. So it'll be really interesting to watch how those two counter each other with different changes and adjustments and things like that throughout the game. What do the 49ers do offensively? Offensively, I mean, we know they have Jimmy Garoppolo, but what what sort of nuggets do they have to their offense that the Vikings will be facing? Well, first of all, I mean, they have a quarterback who, in a small sample, was rated by pro football folks as one of the five most accurate quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, that's that's one right off the top. It's just that Jimmy Garoppolo is extremely accurate when throwing short and intermediate passes. And, and we won't see him throw, I don't think, a ton of long bombs against this defense, especially when you don't get a lot of time to drop back. But if, if the way to beat the Vikings defense is with short and intermediate type of quick throws, they have the quarterback to do it. There's also, I mean, Kirk Cousins knows all about this, and he was in Washington and worked with Kyle Shanahan. The play-action game from this team and the different personnel they throw out there, the different looks, the different formations, all those different things, that every single time you line up, it's going to be something different. And then I, I also think that San Francisco has one of the most underrated weapons in the entire NFL in Marquise Goodwin, who had almost 1,000 yards last year on only 56 catches. I mean, that tells you about just how much of a deep threat he can be, but also you know yards after catch, and he's become an all-purpose wide receiver. So, yeah, I, I think that they have better weapons than a lot of people think and a really brilliant offensive mind operating things today. So, Kirk Cousins, obviously there's been so much talk about him this offseason since he signed the contract and the preseason and everything, all the all the, the conversations and the coverage and everything. Are we at a point now where, as we get closer to kickoff, we're about 40 minutes away here. Are we just at a point now where we just want to see him play in, play in a meaningful football game now, finally? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) There is nothing, nothing more that I could possibly tell you that you haven't heard before about Kirk Cousins because since April we've been talking about every single detail of his game and all the things that he's facing. And I'm sure that nobody is more thrilled to be here actually on the field playing a real game than Cousins so he doesn't have to answer questions about being Super Bowl or bust or $84 million quarterback or things like that for at least three hours of his life. Uh, But, you know, I I think it's actually a good opponent and a good situation for Kirk Cousins to start off his Vikings career that, you know, you start at home, which we've seen this team have so much success over the last two years since this building opened. And against a defense that's missing two of its starting linebackers, including Ruben Foster, who's one of the best players in the NFL, he's not going to play today because of the suspension. And then a defense that overall has a couple of talented players, but the secondary – is still pretty highly questionable. You know, I, I'm interested to see if Richard Sherman looks like he still has anything left. But they're not a team that I would say is going to be a top half of the league defense. So Kirk Cousins gets to start in his home building against a defense that isn't really that terrifying. I think it's a great situation for him uh, to open his Vikings career. With the with Kirk Cousins coming in, we've also got a new offensive line, essentially from left to right. What have we heard about who's starting at center so far this morning? So we've got Brett Jones is uh, confirmed to be the starter, and he's the guy that the Vikings traded for from the New York Giants. And one thing I can say about Brett Jones is normally you don't have very high expectations when you think about trading for a guy right before the season starts. But Brett Jones is probably the top of that type of list, where he's as good as you're ever going to do uh, in the last second when you're trying to patch a hole. And that's all that's going to be today is that, 
you know, they're going to patch the hole with Brett Jones and then hope for next week for Pat Elfline to come back. That means Tom Compton is going to start at left guard. And then my guess is after today, Brett Jones becomes the starting left guard and you feel much better about the offensive line. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys because even though I just said the San Francisco 49ers don't have a great defense, they do have a great player on defense, and that's DeForest Buckner. He's one of those guys, a nose tackle or defensive tackle, that can ruin your game plan pretty quick because he's six foot seven. he's fast, he's powerful, he can do everything. And you know, going up against the interior, that's questionable for the Vikings today. I mean, that, that is going to be one of the matchups to keep an eye on. How important is Riley Reef going to be? I know we've talked about this the last couple of days. We talked about it yesterday on Saturday Sports Talk. Just, I mean, we know he had a really good season last year, and then he got a little bit banged up late in the year. And injuries has always been kind of an issue with him, but when he's when he plays, he's pretty good. I mean, how important is it going to be for him to stay healthy this season for this team? I, I mean, I think it's everything as far as determining where this season ultimately ends up going for the Vikings because there's only one thing that can really derail this great team that they have built over the last few years with Mike Zimmer in charge, uh, and that's the offensive line. And with Riley Reef last year, we saw in the first five or so games, six games, he was really good for them. And I, and I thought this is such a massive upgrade from what they had before, but maybe even an above-average left tackle from what we saw last year. And then his play fell off when he suffered the injuries, and we saw a lot more pressure on Case Keenum in the second half of the year. So if he is back to 100% health and playing at his best, then they are very solid at the most important position. If he's not, then I think especially as you go along and face someone like the Philadelphia Eagles, that it's going to look a lot different and be a lot more challenging for this Vikings offense uh, to be able to do what they want to do, especially since they don't have a quarterback that is particularly great when it comes to handling pressure. So offensively for the Vikings, when you're thinking of the receivers, who do you anticipate being matched up with Richard Sherman a lot? I mean, I don't, Personally, I don't think Richard Sherman is the same player he was just a couple of years ago, which was the best corner in the league. But who who do you see being matched up with him the most and who could probably have the most success against him? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that is very difficult when you're facing the Minnesota Vikings as an opposing defense is that they can line up their receivers almost anywhere. And, and they use so many different formations and setups with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in the slot that it's very difficult for an opposing defense to lock in on one receiver. I will say that if they're going to play Stephon Diggs on the outside more than Thielen, then I would expect Richard Sherman to be matching up with him. I I don't know if they want Sherman uh, chasing around Diggs all day or if he's just going to stay on one side. That's something we'll have to see. I mean, because uh, once upon a time, he would have been the guy you'd put up against anybody for any game to lock them down. But, you know, things have changed a little bit for Richard Sherman. He's coming off the Achilles issue. So we'll see how they approach that. But, you know, that's, I mean, when John Filippo took over this offense and started looking at these two wide receivers, Thielen and Diggs, he had to think, I'm going to go into every single week having the position advantage, even when we go up against other elite corners, because most teams have one elite corner, but they don't have two, and it makes it almost impossible to stop both of these guys every week. How much, how much of a factor do you think Dalvin Cook will be today? He's coming off the ACL. They, they, we're pretty conservative with him going through camp and everything. He saw a little bit of action in the third preseason game. But coming off that injury, how much of a factor do you think we'll see him play uh, play today? I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he takes 
70% of the snaps, if he is the guy, because, I mean, we saw last year, and I know he's coming off the injury, but we saw last year him just blow by everybody in training camp and earn that starting job right from day one. And, you know, he is by far the most talented back that they have, and it's not even close. As much as I respect Latavius Murray and what he's done in the league, uh, Delvin Cook is such an incredible all-around talent that he can pass protect and he can line up at wide receiver if you need him. I mean, anything you want to do, he can do. So if uh, John Filippo wants his offense to be as multiple, as they say, Manny, uh, as, uh, as he, I expect him to want it to be, uh, then we're going to see all sorts of Delvin Cook today. So Mackenzie Alexander's out this week, right? He is, yes. Okay, so how much are we expecting, or what are we expecting from Mike Hughes, the first-round pick, uh, going into this game, his first as an NFL uh, pro? My expectation for Mike Hughes is that he is never going to give that nickel slot uh, corner <laughs> spot back. That's, that, that would be as much as everybody talked about how, oh, Mackenzie Alexander, he's done better, he's done better. I heard the same thing in training camp last year, and I, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that Hughes is the far more talented player, and his inexperience might hurt him at times playing in the slot, but also when you know, I've spoken to Mike Zimmer and, uh, and other players, things like that, they've been really, really impressed with uh, how he's picked up the game, how quickly he's been able to learn that slot position. So when you see a guy pick it up that fast, and also he's got the physical skills that go along, I mean, I I think that he is a superior player, and even if there are some bumps in the road, they would prefer to have him play there. So you are going to see a lot of Mike Hughes, and my guess is you're going to see a lot of Mike Hughes throughout this whole season. Matthew Collar, he covers the Minnesota Vikings for us at 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. Enjoy the game, sir. Uh, maybe we'll chat with you and uh, post game during Vikings uh, vent line and uh, enjoy the game. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. Matthew Collar joining us from U.S. Bank Stadium. We'll probably try and get Matthew on uh, post game for vent line. At uh, 651-646-8255, if you want to join in on the conversation, we'll be taking your calls at the start of the two-minute warning, uh, or at the two-minute warning to this afternoon in the uh, Vikings-Niners game. So be sure to get the call in right away, and uh, we'll get you on as soon as the show starts uh, post-game. We can also take your calls right now, 651-646-8255, if you want to weigh in on the Vikings-49ers uh, matchup this afternoon. It will be a big one at U.S. Bank Stadium. Coming up next, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, coming up next, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus will join us and uh, give us some more analysis on today's matchup. You are listening to Vikings Vent Line, the pregame edition, 1500 ESPN. We'll be right back. Vikings Vent Line, the pregame edition rolls on. It's 1134. Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison with you, taking you all the way up to kickoff. If you want to weigh in, uh, before kickoff, 651-646-8255, give us your thoughts on uh, the upcoming matchup. Uh, they're going to kick off in about 26 minutes or so. Uh, joining us on the line right now from Pro Football Focus, Eric Eager is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Manny. Congrats on the uh, the new role, the new show here. This is great. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited about it. It's uh I'll I'll be honest with you. The nerves have been have been uh, all over the place just for the just for this edition of the show. But I uh, appreciate you having appreciate having you on with us. So, w- what are your overall thoughts on this matchup? Because it's it's an intriguing one to me because the Forty ers the last few years obviously have not been a great team, but 
we know with the addition of Jimmy Garoppolo, we saw how good they were down the stretch last year. And I think at least from an offensive standpoint, it they can present a little bit of a challenge for this Vikings defense. But this defense is, we know how good they are, so this should be an interesting chess match this afternoon. Yeah, I think the league really lucked out here, right? Because I think if you if you don't put Garoppolo on the Niners, you fast forward to 2018, this game is a lot like some of the games you saw with Minnesota last year, like against the Bengals and Bears and uh, you know Ravens, which is it's not not even uh, that compelling a football. But in this particular matchup, what you have is you have a Vikings team that I think everywhere pro- probably but quarterback um, is better uh, than the 49ers. But the 49ers offer so much potential in what we saw in Grapple, and not just you know winning all of his starts. I think that's kind of what people will chase, but really you know how accurate he was, how composed he was how much that offense changed fundamentally when he got on the 49ers a season ago. I think that that differential at quarterback might be enough to make this a, you know, make this a game that's within a, you know, a score and, and make a Vikings fans sweat a little bit. How good an offensive mind is Kyle Shanahan? I know we had Matthew Collar on last segment and he, he talked about just how widely respected Kyle is around the league as an offensive mind and, and what sort of challenges can he bring as a play caller, as a head coach with this offense and this quarterback for the Vikings defense today? What's really interesting is that he not only is very good at what he does, he's very he's very distinct in what he does. So we do this thing where we take all of the, the data you can ever think of about throw, about offenses in the passing game, like you know how much they roll out, how, what personnel groups they use, everything like that, and we kind of group them mathematically. And what's really interesting is there's this one group that has very few individuals and they end up being the, the Washington team that had Shanahan, the Atlanta team that had Shanahan, and the Niners team that had Shanahan. That is like its own group. So he's very distinctive in the, in the way, in what he does. He's very good. As we saw, we see with Matt Ryan the last year plus, you know, he has a great effect on his quarterback. What's re- and last season, we sort of saw the limitations when they had Hoyer and Fetter. You add Jimmy Garoppolo into the mix, and those two combined, I think, are probably far more than the sum of the parts. And I think that is going to be exciting if you're a 49ers fan. And a little bit, I still think the Vikings are a clear favorites today, but it will be a little bit of a test for them. What the Niners like to do is they like to, you know, throw out of heavy formations. The Vikings, you know, at linebacker after you get past the first two are a little, are a little shallow, especially in coverage. So I would say that that would be an interesting matchup that I don't think many people are talking about. It would be like the Ben Gideon versus the George Kittles and things like that today. What are we expecting from John Filippo? Uh, as the new court, offensive coordinator on here, what are we expecting him to do with the offense that that we saw was pretty good last year? Now they got Kirk Cousins. Now they've got a different offensive line that we're all kind of nervous about. But you've yep. got John Filippo as the offensive coordinator. What are we expecting out of him now? Yeah, I mean that's, that's a really good question because I think you know with last season it's really hard to divvy up credit, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think Frank Reich, you know, the head coach of the Colts now, I think gets a decent amount of credit even though he didn't call the plays for Philadelphia. Steve Filippo sort of third on that list. That's a pretty impressive offense, a pretty impressive, you know, not only what Nick Foles was able to do in the Super Bowl, but also the maturation of Carson Wentz. So there's a lot of positives there. Um, what I think and which, what we've heard is that he's going to try to tailor the offense to Cousins, which I think is a lot going to be some Shanahanian, you know, philosophies, which is like throw out of multiple, you know, tight end formations, which Cousins has sort of raked on uh, in his career, play action, things like that. I do think. Unlike what we saw with Norv Turner, I think early on in, in Bridgewater's career, and then also with Bradford, I think De Filippo is going to be able to adjust the offense to suit Kirk, Kirk's strengths. 
Um, the issue is going to be, as you guys said, the offensive line. And I think this defensive line with the three first-round picks, uh, you know, the last four or five years, is going to present a challenge for them, especially in the interior. On Kirk Cousins specifically, you mentioned the strengths. What are the biggest strengths that Kirk Cousins has, and how do they relate to what he's surrounded by, which figures to be probably the most talented group of skill position players that he's had in his career so far? Right, I think that's exactly it. I think if you give Cousins a clean pocket with good supporting cast, he can put up substantial numbers. And I know that that sounds, I know that that sounds like like damning with faint praise, but I do think that that's really what the Vikings are going to be looking for him to do. Um, the problem is, is when you sort of take away some of those supports. So last season they lost to Sean Jackson, they lost Chris Thompson midseason. Jordan Reed's never really been that healthy, and then Pierre Garcon left. And while Cousins put up decent numbers, his PFF grades, his accuracy numbers weren't quite as good. So you fast forward here, if the Minnesota Vikings can get offensive line play that, that was similar to a season ago or possibly a little better, those two receivers on the outside, plus I think what is a you know above-average tight end in Kyle Rudolph, I think Cousins can really take advantage of those. He's very good at, you know, to the degree that it's stable, you know, play-action passing, again, throwing out of heavy formations. He's very good at those types of things, and so... I don't know if that's necessarily what Vikings fans want to hear, but what I what I think that the conclusion is is he's really good when the things around him are very good. How does Brett Jones grade as a player? I mean, we know he can play. We can we can play as a guard. He can be a center. He's going to be the starting center today, and at least until uh, the Vikings can get Pat Elfline back. But how does Brett Jones grade as an offensive lineman? I think actually very similar to the way Alphine graded a season ago where he's pretty good in pass protection. Actually, he was probably third, fourth, or fifth in pass protection a season ago for the uh, for the Giants. Now, pass protection is easier to accomplish on the interior because you often have help from one of the, the guards or you're a slot guy who's sliding towards the guard. Um, so it's not as impressive as being a you know top five as a tackle, for example. But still, he held his own there. He was pretty weak as a run blocker. Uh, and we know, you know, as, as excited as we as Vikings fans are about Dalvin Cook, um, you know, we know that most of the offensive success in the running game is due to the offensive line, so the play there. Um, and so I think I would temper my expectations for Cook as a runner. He's a terrific receiver. But with, with, with Jones, I think you have a guy who's going to be sturdy in pass protection, which is good, but who's not going to offer you a ton in terms of trying to run the football. Is he better as a center, or is is the guard probably a better position for him? Uh, well, at center a season ago, he, he did grade pretty well. Um, I I don't actually have the splits on him, but I do think so. The, the The interesting thing is if a guy is sort of even in both, usually there's a downgrade when they move to center because there's all these things that we even I think would admit we can't quantify with the center position, which is to know the calls and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know uh, how. Throughout Vikings history, Christie and Vodermilk and Burke and all those guys that did terrific at that spot, um, Sullivan, you know, he's not going to be there, obviously, you know, a couple weeks into his tenure. So that's kind of, I think, the, the, the difficulty there is, you know, is he going to be able to do all the line calls and are the guys next to him, you know, going to be able to help him out there? How good is George Iloka? We, we know that he knows Zimmer's defense from being coached underneath him in Cincinnati. Um, but obviously they, they brought him in as kind of a third safety to help with, uh, you know, different aspects of the defense in case, you know, teams present certain matchups against them. Uh, but how good is George Iloka? Yeah, so when Iloka went up for free agency in 2016, it was one of those players that I wanted the Vikings to sign. I think 
in in hindsight, it's probably good that they didn't because he was more expensive than Sandejo. Sandejo has been pretty good, uh, but Iloka is a very good player. We you know we do this thing called wins above replacement, which is similar to what baseball does. And Iloka is a guy who will never cost your team. He's a guy that'll probably get you anywhere from a quarter to a half a win if you give him a thousand snaps, which is pretty you know pretty good. Um, what's really interesting is as you brought up the kind of like the third safety role. The Vikings have run almost no dime defense since Zimmer's taken over. I think in, in I think literally less than ten snaps a year in, in that in that role, where a lot of teams, you know, like Philadelphia, is running that the majority of the Super Bowl, um, and, and the league is becoming increasingly that way. Uh, but I do I think that you know what he offers is Zimmer the opportunity to try something like that and to maybe have Harrison Smith, who is probably the best safety in the NFL, very versatile, have him play something like linebacker you know, kind of over the slot, and Iloki can really man that deep spot pretty well. It's interesting because he looks, he's like 6'4", 230, right, or 220, so he yeah. looks like a guy that could play down in the, in the box, but in Cincinnati he was predominantly a deep guy and a very solid one at that. He's very rangy and everything like that, so I think what he brings to the Vikings is insurance in case Sandejo with the concussions, and, you know, he's only had really two good years, so even if he falls off, he's very, you know, he's good insurance there. Um, and, and what he can offer is also is, is a possibility to play one of those sort of less sexy positions so that uh, Harrison Smith can kind of move around in, in some packages. Last one for Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. For the Vikings to get a victory today, we know obviously they're favored and you know they're, they're overall the better football team, but what, what's the biggest key for them to avoid, um, to avoid being upset at home by, a, by an underdog 49ers team? Yeah, I think um, I think it's to be is to stay on schedule offensively. And so one of the things that Pat Shermer did terrifically last year was he made use of those two brilliant wide receivers on early downs. And you know, oftentimes we think about football, especially as Vikings followers, Peterson, Peterson pass punts, right? But the, <laughs> yeah. the real way to get ahead in the NFL is to throw to your receivers on first down, get seven yards, get yourself in second and three. And I think. The more often, because Case Keenum was like this a season ago, the more often you can make your quarterback look like a fish in water on second and medium, third and short, not even get to third down, the better you are offensively. I think the more that they have to test that that offensive line on third and long, uh, the more that this game might get more towards the you know the mean. And 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 in that case, I think if you're playing a 49ers team straight up. Uh, they have the better quarterback, and then you can get in trouble. So that's really my that's really my thing. I think that they have to stay ahead of schedule, and if they have the 49ers defense on their heels, I think that they'll be pretty successful offensively. You can uh, follow his work in Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Eric Eager, thank you, sir. Great stuff, and uh, enjoy the game. Yeah, you uh, yeah you enjoy the game as well. F- finally, real football, right? Right, football is here. <laughs> it's about time. We've been waiting too long. <laughs> yeah, right. we won't have time for long snapper uh, discussions uh, in, during the weeks now that we have real football. So oh, that'll be great. We we know our guy Collar will love the long snapper conversation. So we'll we'll yeah. all have to the three of us will have to sit down and just chat it up on long snappers at some point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Eric. We appreciate it. Yeah, take care. All right, Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus joining us here. Um, good stuff. I mean, yeah, I, great I, stuff. this is this matchup again. The Vikings are favored; they're heavily mm-hmm. favored. But I mean, this this is going to be a chess match. That 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 Forty ers offense, Kyle Shanahan yeah. against Mike Zimmer and George Edwards. That defense is going to be. Um, I always love seeing. 
how really good respected offensive coordinators try and attack Mike Zimmer's defense. Yeah. Because you know his defense is they've all been in it at this point for what, five years now? Mm-hmm. And they're all they all know everything to do. Any switch they can they have to do is just snap of a fingers. They don't even have to say it anymore. They all just know where to go. I love seeing how these really smart offensive coordinators go up against this. So that'll be an entertaining matchup. It reminds me a little bit of when the Rams came in last yeah. year. And it was the same thing. The Rams' highest-scoring offense in the league. Yep. Sean McVay, young, brilliant offensive mind, young quarterback, all these weapons. Um, and, you know, they went down. Remember, the, the Rams went down, scored on the opening drive, and did not get a point the rest of the day. So um, hopefully we'll see a little bit of the same thing this afternoon. That would be awesome. We'll see how it goes. All right. One more break to go. Uh, we still got time for your phone calls if you want to weigh in on the conversation. 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Ventline Pre-Game Edition. We'll be back. Final segment of Vikings Ventline Pre-Game Edition. Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison with you on 1500 ESPN. Going to kick things off. Uh, the Vikings are in about uh, seven minutes, and uh, we're going to take you up uh, to uh, close to the top of the hour here. Um a reminder, uh, we will have Vikings uh, vent line post game, of course, as we've had for uh, many years here at 1500 ESPN. Uh, I'll be with you uh, when the game is over. We'll be taking your calls at the start of the uh, two-minute warning. I always say the start of the two-minute warning. The two-minute right. warning, it doesn't start. It just <laughs> it just happens, right? Yeah, it's just kind of a thing that's there. Right. Uh, so a two-minute warning, we'll start taking your calls. Yep. And uh, we'll take your calls throughout Vikings uh, event line post game edition, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a Vikings victory. Yes, I I look at this matchup. I I'm the off the Vikings offense. There's a lot of talent there, and I and I think they're going up against a defense that they should have success against. Yep, but I'm not expecting a huge offensive onslaught right for this Vikings offense because I I think with the new coordinator, new quarterback. And you've got this, the young star running back coming back from from mm-hmm. a big injury. I, I think there's going to be a few things to still sort of work out and sort out. So I don't, I mean, I, I think the Vikings will win this game, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, 38 to 13 type right. of type of thing. One I think it'll weird. be relatively close, close, but the Vikings being the better team will end up winning. It's one of those weird things where you have a decently good offensive offense from last year. Coming back and there's a lot of there's a lot of new parts because yeah. you're you have a star running back coming back from an injury after he lasted what four games last year four games yep yeah. and so you have him coming back and then you've got a new quarterback you've got an entirely different offensive line it'll be interesting as all Vikings seasons are but yeah it'll be interesting to see what this offense can do that the San Francisco 49ers defensive line concerns me a little bit going up against the Vikings offensive mm-hmm. line. But not DeForest much, Buckner is really good. But not much else about the 49ers defense concerns me. Yeah, and I think because um, as you said, Sherman's a different player than he was in Seattle. He's he's not nearly the same player he once was. Coming um, off injury himself. Yep, and they also have another former Seattle Seahawk on their defense, Malcolm Smith. He's also out today. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm Smith, he was the MVP of that Super yeah. Bowl when they blew out the Broncos. So he's out. I think he's got like a calf injury or something like that. And he's he's an okay player, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not going to be a factor. The Vikings offense should have enough success to win this game, but I just don't think it's going to be a huge, right? You know, blowout performance. But I'll tell you what, they better win this game. <laughs> 
because I think when you look at the rest of the schedule, at least the yep. next four games after, you're at Green Bay next week. Yep. Then you're home against Buffalo. That should be. That's, that's your easiest game in the. That's your of the easiest season. game in the first third of the season. Yeah. Um, but then you're you're at the Rams and you're at Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's you, a really tough schedule. If there there's a lot of pressure because I asked Matthew Collar yesterday about this on Sundays or on Saturday Sports Talk. What and I asked, I asked him and Judd both the question like, what's yeah. the biggest game of this first five games? What's the most important game? And you know, because I thought, oh, the Packers, you know, division game, mm-hmm. and you know, the Eagles or the Rams or something like that. But Collar said, no, it's this first game because yeah. if you lose it, you're you're you're, you're it's going to be an uphill climb because then you're at Green Bay and you're looking at potentially a one and four start if right. you're not careful. So they got to get this one. Um, Green Bay, we'll see how that goes next week, but get this one first, mm-hmm. get the one in Buffalo. And if you come out of these first five games, you know, <laughs> two and three at worst, then I think you're, you're, you're going to be okay. So yeah, it's a really tough conference. Not just you look outside of the division. It's a really tough NFC this year. Right. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. Give us a call. 651-646-8255 at the two minute warning. We'll take mm-hmm. your calls for Vikings vent line. I got 24-13 Vikings. What say you, sir? Uh, 27-10 Vikings. Okay. I like it. For Jonathan Harrison, I'm Manny Hill. Thanks for listening to Vikings Vent Line Pre-Game Edition. We'll talk to you after the game.